Hebrews 12:25-29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Good morning. Our sermon today is based on Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 to 29. And the title, Unshakable Kingdom. The author contrasted the Mount Sinai event to the Mount Zion experience. God shook the earth with thunder, lightning, whirlwind, and fire. Even Moses admitted fear in Mount Sinai. However, Mount Zion is a different story. God brought believers to his son and to himself. He also brought them to the assembly. Take note. Mount Zion is God bringing believers to himself and to the assembly. What's the assembly? The church of the firstborn. And if you see in the New Testament, to those who believe they formed into church communities, having elders and deacons, it means there would be accountability. Christ is the firstborn and the mediator of the new covenant. And God brought the believers to his blood. The author was alluding to Christ as the perfect high priest and the perfect sacrifice whose blood speaks forgiveness. This was contrasted to Abel's blood that sought for justice. Christ's blood speaks of forgiveness. Why? God's justice is already established. And all have sinned, have fallen short. And all we are worthy of is God's judgment. There was a need for a sacrifice. This was also in parallel to the Old Testament where the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Thus, the blood of Christ, it means when he died, it was received as the perfect sacrifice. Thereby, we have forgiveness in Christ alone. Take note, in Christ alone alone. Whoever says there are many ways to God is saying that Christ is a liar. 
because he claimed he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the apostles witnessed what happened, and they confirmed it. He is the Son of God. We witness him rise from the dead. He died, and he rose again. It's only through Christ. Now, going to the text, the author warned them once again. So, warning repeated. And if you look at this letter, which is very much like an exhortation and an explanation of who Christ is, that he is superior to Judaism. Therefore, they should not turn away because they were being lured back to Judaism and to, to, to disavow or to deny Christ publicly. The author has been warning the readers of the letter again and again and again. And here we again see a warning. He said, listen to the one who speaks. It's the blood that speaks, but it's also him who warns. Where does he speak from? Well, the one who speaks is the mediator of the new covenant, whose blood speaks better than Abel, and his blood signifies forgiveness. The escape is through Christ. The only way to be saved is to listen, but in the old covenant, if they did not listen, there was no escape. In Christ is what safety and security. Verse 25, let's read this of chapter 12. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. So he's saying, yes, there is forgiveness in Christ. Yes, we are received to Mount Zion. To those who believe they are received in Mount Zion into that relationship with God. Yet the author is saying, actually, but remember, be careful. If it was scary then, it's actually worse this time to those who don't listen. If before they were so afraid that is nothing compared to this. But then there was no blood of Christ. There was no access to the heavenly Jerusalem. In Christ, there is access to that. And yet he's saying, but know where you stand. Know where your position is. Are you in Christ or not? And this is not talking about believing in Christ in a passive way. That, yeah, sure, I, I believe. Oh, naman, niniwala naman ako. No, it is believing in him with all your heart, meaning you believe in the word, believing enough that faith produces works, although faith in itself is not works. It results into works. Who warns from heaven? Who is this? It was established since chapter 1. That Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
And that place is the highest authority of execution, to execute, to do, to accomplish. The sovereign Lord warns from heaven, he will not allow anyone to escape all who refuse to listen to the warning. So there's a warning. And the Jewish believers must be warned not to deny Christ. And Christ himself said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. He said it. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Christ himself said that. Then the author moves on to explain that there is a shaking more terrifying. He exclaimed that the Lord shook the earth during the terrifying event in Sinai. Yet he will once again shake the earth one more time. Moreover, he will also shake the heavens which is symbolic of everything. Whenever they say heaven and earth, it's actually everything. Heaven and earth is all things. So if God shook the earth in Sinai, he will once again shake it. But now it includes the heavens. Verse 26, and his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So, He's giving us a glimpse of what will happen. And somehow, the writer of Revelations somehow seems to be aligned to this, where it says that there will be a new city, a new Jerusalem, a new earth, a new heaven. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken because the next shaking there is a removal, a changing. Yes, man might be, might be destroying the earth because of its industry and pollution. But ultimately, it is God who will shake everything, not man. Of course, we have to be more responsible with the earth he gave us. I'm not removing that out of the equation, but in the end, it is still God. So one day, God will rearrange the universe. He will shake everything that can be shaken. The author painted the picture with words of what will happen so that the ones who hear the letter or read the letter would not turn away from the faith. That's the point. He's saying, okay, you turn away. Uh, let me just let, tell you what was prophesied in the Old Testament because this is going to happen. Of course, he mentions that if you are not in Christ, you will be shaken. Third point, unshakable kingdom. 
the author encourage? And this is somehow the pattern of the author. He warns and he encourages. Do you know that's how to disciple? You warn and you encourage. That's it. It's not encourage, encourage, encourage. Oh, poor you. I'm always here with you. But you never correct. You never say, brother, you need to take this seriously. You never say, sister, you have to repent and change these habits. They, the Bible does not approve of that. In humility, he will give you the grace to overcome it, but you have to. So discipleship and shepherding is a combination of encouragement. Praise God. I'm so happy you finished reading the Bible at last after 10 years. Better late than never. That is disappointing. <laughs> but still, good news, right? <laughs> still, oh, at least he didn't die. Many so-called believers die without understanding the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelations. Never understanding it. So the author encouraged the Jewish believers that all who are in Christ received an unshakable kingdom. Or we were brought into an unshakable kingdom. Thus, believers should thank the Lord and worship God with what? With reverence, because God is a consuming fire. So he's saying, glory to God. If you believe in him, truly believe in him. If you follow him, ah, everything can be shaken, but you will not be shaken because you are in Christ. You will not be shaken. Therefore, we thank the Lord, but do not forget this. Do not forget to fear him. To worship him, the instruction is out of reverence. Because God is a consuming fire. Who do you think designed the lake of fire? That shall be implemented after the final judgment. Whose idea was it? Not the devil. God. Is God cruel? No, he is just. If on the one hand there is eternal salvation, there is mercy on one side, it is parallel, there is eternal damnation. But many have preached only this side because they just want a bigger church, a bigger membership. They don't want to scare people away. But they have not preached the truth then. Truth withheld is a lie. Half-truths are lies. But this author is speaking the truth. Hey, in Christ, unshakable kingdom. If you have faith in him, unshakable kingdom. You are unshakable, but thank him and worship him. Who is he? Consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. So the author was giving the Jewish believers two main reasons to continue in the faith. Two reasons to continue in the faith in this text. One, 
He encouraged the surpassing greatness of Christ and the eternal blessings found in him. And two, the author warned them of the impending doom of all who are not in Christ and to all who will fall away. Therefore, he's saying, do not fall away. Application. One, never fall away. I think that's pretty clear. That's the message of the whole book. Who is Christ? Therefore, do not fall away. Christ's blood speaks. None of us should fall away from the gospel message. We have spiritually entered the heavenly Jerusalem by what? Believing in the gospel message, which is what? Christ suffered and died for our sins. The wrath of God meant to be upon sinful man. He took upon himself that justice of God as a substitute. A substitute for us if you truly believe, okay? If not, you're not part of it. And when I say believe, not passive believing, truly believe in your heart. Those who believed followed. That is the gospel, suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. He took it upon himself. He who had no sin became sin. He suffered. Who designed the suffering? Who made it happen? You think it's sinful man? No, that was designed by God himself. Why? Justice must fall. Now, to make us understand in the human level, if there was a judge sitting on the seat of judgment, and he was brought somebody who violated the law, somebody who either stole or committed murder, he must execute justice. And we seek for justice on earth. We want our, our justices to be just in their decisions. But the complication was, hey, this human judge, that's his nephew. And his son was involved. Do you want favoritism or do you want justice? We want justice. God is a God of justice. However, within the Old Testament patterns of justice, as God showed us, there is such a thing as substitution. It was an innocent animal that died to receive the punishment for sinful man. And every year they did this. But the author of Hebrews saying, once and for all, just once, Christ did it. It was legal to have a substitute as long as the substitute is not guilty. Only Christ had no sin, no guilt. That's why there's nobody else, there's no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name. 
There is no saint. There is no one. Except himself. That is the gospel message. Then what did Jesus say in Luke 24? That he rose again from the dead because he had no sin. That's the meaning of it. He rose from the dead because the wages of sin is death. The consequence of sin is death. He died because of us. But he himself had no sin. So death could not hold him. Therefore... He overpowered death. Death had no power on him. He rose again, meaning he is the perfect high priest, the perfect sacrifice. That's the meaning of the resurrection. Nobody else. That's why when he said, those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. Because he is the only one who has the right to give eternal life no angel no human nobody else only christ we have through christ spiritually entered the heavenly jerusalem now we have the father the son and the holy spirit but not only that we have the community of believers if you remember the last sermon was through his blood, he brought us to whom? In the heavenly Jerusalem, to the Father, to the Son, to the spirits that has been made righteous, and to the assembly, the church of the firstborn. So what we have in Christ is not only himself, but the community. So, no, no, the community is not part of the Trinity. Otherwise, it's not a Trinity, right? It's a for unity if it's... But the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when they saved humans, they formed them into the community called the body of Christ or the assembly or the church. The church is not an organization. It's not a hierarchical organization. It's a community of believers. And in the New Testament, there were elders, there were shepherds, there were deacons. That's why organizations, Christian organizations are not considered church. They, we call them with another term, para-church. In Filipino, we say parang-church, pero hindi church. Whether it's a campus organization. I'm not saying they don't have their roles. They have their roles. But that is not the assembly because with the elders there, which is also confirmed by the people, there is accountability. Because the design is nobody is a Christian by himself. Nobody. Everyone must be connected to the body. If May I give you a human illustration? Any part of your body that is severed from you will rot and decay and die. But every part of the body that is still connected, it's alive and it moves. Correct? And it looks normal. You hear me? 
I'm so glad that I can see your beautiful eyes, even though I do not see your beautiful noses and mouths. I can still see your beautiful eyes. But you know, it will freak me out if you come to me holding one eye. You should be in the hospital, not here. No, pastor, I just want you to pray for me first. No, get out of here, go. I'll pray for you now, but go. Why, anything you remove, it doesn't look normal. And that's why in a community, if you are on your own, or you got used to a church that each individual minds their own business, that is not a church community. That's why the, even the very arrangement of our growth group, or, or, or the, we try not to have programs, but we have minimal flow. Uh, the first part is just welcome one another in a growth group, like have coffee, eat. How are you? Two, let's offer Thanksgiving. Update us with what's happening with you. So we want to hear the good that God is doing in your life. And then we talk about God's word. And if you fully absorb the sermon, you share about your application there or your insights. And then lastly, we ask for your prayer request, which means what are you going through that's difficult? That simple thing that we connect saying those things, suddenly we pray for one another. Suddenly we're happy for one another. Then we talked about God's word. Somehow there's a connectivity that happens, but if there is none, you just live your Christian life and show up every Sunday and go home and do your thing. Go on and continue compromising. But with accountability, you know, it helps me as well. I lead growth groups, but it helps me a lot. You know why? I'm going to face my growth group every week. You know, anytime I'm tempted, I think about God, that I have to fear God. And then the other side is, I cannot do this because there are people that I'm accountable to, hoping that I fight this temptation. That I live for God. Because of that accountability, both as a leader and as those who are, who are participating in the growth, it works both ways. So, be part and there is no reason to fall away. Do you know that those who fall away first fall away from the community? That's the beginning. That is the beginning. Now, allow me, but do not be angry at me when I say this. But this is the truth. Only fools will fall away. Well, all who fall away, meaning denies Christ publicly, never truly belonged. For how can one whom God has written his laws in their heart not desire to obey? How can it be, if a person is truly saved, that there is no faith there? Again, Scripture says, the blood of Christ speaks. We need to listen. The next application is we must worship in awe and reverence. God will shake everything, the earth, the sky, 
and celestial bodies. I'm talking about the stars, the comets, whatever, the asteroids. It could be the most terrifying thing yet. But for us, when that happens, it's like watching New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, and we're watching the fire, the firecrackers, the fireworks. Whoa. But it shall happen. And those who are not in Christ will feel it. In what way will they feel it? It's going to damage their mind and their emotions. It's going to damage their souls. If Sinai seemed unthinkable for the ancients, stop, stop, Moses, why don't you just speak to us? Enough of this. It was unthinkable to continue. Imagine what will happen. Thus, let us continue to worship and fear God. You see, that's the part of worship that I missed a lot in the last 20 years. When it has moved to more to emotionalism, and I'm not against intimacy. We must cultivate intimacy with God. But the awe and the wonder seem to miss out. Because those, where those music and songs came from, came from churches that do not preach the holiness of God or preach it so little. It's always making people feel good about themselves. Do you know that some singers, praise and worship leaders, singers, would start with, how do you feel today on a Sunday? Oh, what's that got to do with anything? Let's first put how I feel later. I want to worship God. And then probably I'll feel better. How do I feel today? The truth is, I'm not always good. Are you always good? Oh, we Filipinos don't want others to worry. How are you? Okay. You're struggling and dying inside. Okay. You're crying your heart out. Okay. How do you feel today? Well, I wanted to be on time. But some parts of some members of my family seem to be so slow. And I wanted to go to church to be punctual. Yet by desiring to be punctual, I lost my temper. Therefore, I'm more guilty than anybody else. How do you feel today? The truth is, you don't come to church because you always feel good. You come here for the truth. You want to hear the truth. Whether the truth cuts you or the truth uplifts you, you want to hear the truth. Let us worship in awe. Let us not forget that part. We come here to focus on God and worship must be focused on the attributes of God. His justice, his mercy, his holiness, his kindness. Focus on that. See how exalted he is and how humble we are, how nothing we are. Yet how in Christ are all things. But without Christ, we are nothing. Let us sing songs that bring us to our knees. And sing songs that lift our hearts to him. But never songs that make us the center of the universe. 
although we belong to the unshakable kingdom, we will not forget that God is a consuming fire. Although we receive this mercy through Christ, hallelujah, amen, Christ is merciful, we will not forget the justice of God. Even though we are in Christ, we will not forget the divine laws he has set. For example, what you sow, you shall reap. What you sow, you shall reap. We may be believers, but there are many things that we still need to improve. What does that mean, what you sow, you reap? If you don't study scripture, what do you reap? Ignorance of scripture. If you sow hate to many people, many will learn to hate. And you know what? It will come back to you and people will hate you as well. If you sow intrigue and gossip, don't be surprised when one day somebody tears you down a hundred times. Because that's the concept of sowing and reaping. You sow one seed, you reap many fruits. But if you sow in the name of Jesus Christ, by God's grace, you will reap what you sow. If you sought to bless many people, by God's grace, he will bless you. If you sought spiritual seed in others, you sow that, by God's grace, he will allow you to reap many. In the same way with money, if you give to the Lord or you invest it properly, properly on good soil, then one day you may reap it. But if you waste it, nothing. Because he is our father, we expect him to chastise us. Chapter 12 involves the discussion on the discipline of God and train us to grow in holiness. Therefore, we will worship with fear and trembling, yet with the peace of Christ in our hearts, knowing that the blood made us righteous. You see, that's how we worship. We tremble because of who he is, but not tremble like the Sinai people. We just know who he is, yet peace fills our hearts. Because of Christ. You see, we are at peace, yet we are in awe and wonder of who God is. If you lose that, if you go to the attitude, oh, yeah, 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 I know that, I know that. Then you don't know that. Because the attitude shows you don't know that. Because if you truly know that, you never get tired of it. Kung sa Tagalog, hindi mo pinagsasawaan kung sino ang Diyos. At ano ang ginawa ni Kristo, hindi mo pagsasawaan yan. Some people think they're so mature. Yeah, 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 I know it. No, you did not mature. With that attitude, it shows you did not understand it. It shows that you have a Pharisee heart. It shows that you are a holier than thou. I know more than you rather than I'm only saved by grace. And still, I remember the time or the account when Jesus died for all of us sinners. Until today, I praise God for it. For we are no one without him. And lastly, value the unshakable bond. Through Christ, God gave us an unshakable kingdom. 
it means that all who are in Christ are secured. God bonded us with him and he called us to the church of the firstborn. Are you blessed that you know people who humbly try to grow in Christ like you? We should be. If you don't value that, then you don't understand where he brought you to. He brought us together for a purpose. Not so that we can have just friends and enjoy ourselves like the world. No. But we feast in the name of Jesus. We feast in the covenant. We feast in the word of God. We experience joy unspeakable when we understand something from the word. You know, whenever you get that aha moment, oh, this is what it means. Mm. I hope you have that because if you don't have that, I pity you. You have a very boring Christian life. Boring. But when you see the eternal truths unravel, when you go beyond the surface, what do you go? When you're at sea, if you go to the shallow parts, mostly, mostly you will see what? Small fishes, right? Small, sometimes as small as an eye, small. You go deeper, then you get the tuna, right? A tuna bigger than a man. It's just wonderful, you know. I'm amazed seeing pictures from some parts of South of the Philippines where this little guy carrying a tuna bigger than himself. Say, how big this fish we eat. We don't appreciate this because we eat the canned tuna here. But it's just, it's amazing. But that's what happens when you go to the deep. That's why many of us don't see the beauty of Scripture because all you see is the surface, the common truths or what we call cliches. For some of us, our Christianity is Christian cliches, common words, and sometimes not even the truth, half-truths even. But the more you go and understand, it's wow, wonderful. Through the gospel, he made us unshakable. Therefore, we stand firm in the faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our faith is in Christ alone, the author and perfecter of our faith. We thus proclaim the gospel of the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. Keep saying that, please. <laughs> and we call people to repentance. We say, all of us, me, you, must repent. That's how to proclaim the gospel in such a way that you're not looking down. Or they won't feel you're looking down on them. We are all sinners. I'm a sinner. You are sinner. We are called to repent. Therefore, me, you, everyone must repent. Will you repent? You don't have to raise your voice. I just did that to make sure you're not asleep. But make sure it's clear. We must repent. And if you repent, I repent. Why don't we grow together? That is the beginning of discipleship. Because you want to teach and show them that we must all follow Christ and learn to deny 
ourselves. Unshakable kingdom. Unshakable. That's a nice t-shirt, unshakable. Hindi ka mayayanig. Di mayanig. May apelido bang ganon? Parang meron eh. Ang may kilala ko, di mayuga. <laughs> Yun ba ibig sabihin nun? Unshakable, brothers and sisters, He has brought us together. Let us learn to grow together in Christ and we are unshakable. Thus, I give you now a piece of literature inspired by the text called Unshakable. Heed the story of ancient times, how mortal men met the divine. The ground shook and the thunder roared. That day, God would not be ignored. So fearsome and unbearable, for the ancients unthinkable, yet scripture states one more time, a shaking utterly sublime. The earth, the celestials, the sky, all stars, suns, and planets shall cry. Oceans in a giant tempest, desperate souls full of unrest. Shattered minds never recover. No healing, no starting over. Only infinite loneliness to those opposed to holiness. Thus, listen to the blood that speaks. It calls, it searches, and it seeks to justify and to sanctify because the Christ was crucified. Christ's work is undeniable. The blood made us unshakable. In his kingdom made us belong, and together he made us strong. Thus, with gratitude we worship. In fear and awe of his lordship, sovereign no one is higher. God is a consuming fire. Let's all rise. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you brought us to Mount Zion, a spiritual standing in Christ, that now within us we have a taste of the heavenly Jerusalem, and that is the new covenant promise, this knowing of your forgiveness, that personal relationship with you, and the new heart where you wrote your laws and your hearts. Therefore, giving us the desire to obey you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yet may we never forget how holy, how awesome, how fearsome, how fearful you are. But we don't only see that through Christ. We see how great your mercy is. We see, experience this amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Thank you. We see the depth of your love, yet we do not forget. You are a consuming fire. Thus, 
We thank you forever and we worship you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning and God bless you.